0: You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a podcast that's all about supporting parents as they bring up children. We've got experts and advice to help you through the more challenging bits of parenting. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Our expectations of dads have changed so much over the last 10 years, but in many ways they have stayed the same. While dads are more likely to be involved in family life, there's still a lot of pressure to bring home the bacon. And we know that up to one in 10 men experience anti or postnatal depression. So what's really going on for dads? Sean Zeps, father of the cutest toddler twins you'll ever see, husband and podcaster, is launching a new podcast in partnership with Babyology and Spotify. It's called The Dad Kit, and it's all about how dads really feel about modern day parenting. Hi, Sean. How are you? Hi,
1: I'm wonderful. This is the first time I've heard anyone speak about my show, so this is an exciting <laughs> moment for me.
0: Now, why did you want to make this podcast?
1: Oh, such a good question. I work in the Australian Australian parenting media landscape. And so I'm aware on a regular basis, not only that my story is unique, but that the male experience is unique. And through the first year of me being a parent, pitching stories, trying to get work, it was always... Um, such an exciting conversation to have these editors be like, there isn't a lot of this. There aren't a lot of you. There are not a lot of dads who are coming (laughs) to me pitching stories. And that is really where I realized, okay, there's 4.6 million Australian fathers. 2.2 million of them have kids under the age of 18. There are a lot of men experiencing what it's like to be a parent on a day-to-day basis, but their stories aren't told frequently and so I thought a space, if I could create a space where men could share the story and the audience is actually anyone, but, you know, wives, husbands, partners, that it would probably resonate. And so that's,
0: yeah. that's what happened. I'm so intrigued. Um, I just want to play a, uh, just a grab here from um one of your, I think it's your first episode, actually. Let's mm. have a listen. You're expected to be the best parent you're also expected to be the best partner and also the best worker mm. and all of these things have to be mutually inclusive and that you know that's that's a tough that's a tall order so that's musician Josh Pike um he's a lovely man so he's lovely. a lovely man yes. and he's um also obviously a brilliant musician Do you think that dads today are under more pressure than they have been in the past?
1: Yeah, I think it's a different type of pressure. And I don't think that it's just for dads. I think it's on both sides of the aisle. You're having women who are asked to do so much more than ever before, the expectation that you are going to be working. I mean, you meet any mother and you always hear someone ask the question, are you working as well? Like they're just chucking in this, like we have a lot more anticipation for you. So on the other side of the aisle, Empathetically, emotionally, there's an expectation that men are going to bring more to the table. And what's interesting is that as their roles outside of the home have grown and evolved, how often they're working, that average Australian of a male of 46 hours a week is actually the exact same whether you have children or not. So there's no change. Like when you have children, that number remains insanely consistent. So you're still working just as much. You're still bringing home the bacon. But at home, there's a change. In the 70s and in the 60s, if you had asked him, uh, the average Australian dad, do you know how to change a nappy? I mean, it was it was a 50-50 shot. You didn't know what they were going to say. <laughs> and it, across the entire parenting spectrum, the expectation was the wife would really take that on. And so besides having a large cohort of men who are now actively involved, they're also working full time. And then you also have this new addition, which is older men single fathers there's a huge chunk of single men i think it's 122,000 australian men are raising children by themselves and so there's just a diversity in what it means to be a man on its own in its own little bucket and then you add father onto that and so yeah the, the landscape has absolutely changed and clearly there's a lot of work to be done if we want men to come to the table and do so much more in the parenting experience and we want women to do so much more you know as a, from a working perspective We actually have to sit down and figure out how we can, like, work together both sides to make that work for us. Because I'm not 100% sure that it is working.
0: Oh, no, it definitely isn't. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm curious, though, with all the dads that you spoke to, um, did you get the sense that for them it was like the first time they were telling their stories? Because women, we kind of talk a lot. Mm. And um, there are, as you mentioned, lots of stories in the parenting mastheads around the country about what it's like to be a mom and the, the pressures that we face. So we see ourselves reflected in media, and that's a really important thing when it comes to identity. Mm. Did you find that the men that you were talking to were like, oh, yes, somebody's asking me about <laughs> fatherhood. Here's what I have to yeah. say. Yeah.
1: No, it's such a brilliant question because right before this show, I did another show where I was interviewing moms and what I realized almost immediately, there was a stark contrast in their ability to articulate exactly how they felt in a specific moment. Women were able, it's as if they had practiced it, it was rote, they had fleshed it out with their mother's groups, they had their like elevator pitch of, you know, what their COVID experience was like or, you know, the experience of having a third child. And for men, I was noticing these articulate people who have made a living in the media landscape could not pull together these tight sentences. They were rambling on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And that to me was a psychological cue that this was clearly, you know, new territory for them. And oftentimes um, when it comes to the emotional elements of the backstory, how you got here, why you got here, the work, the anxiety, the stress, the pressure, are you a good enough husband? It was interesting to look at their faces and kind of see them be shocked. You know, "I I haven't thought about this a lot. And that is a really telling sign of exactly how we communicate with fathers about the experience. I know for a fact when you meet a a first time father, if not the first question, the second or the third, usually jumps immediately away from them and to the child or the mother, right? Immediately. How's your wife? How's your kid? And then maybe you throw in a bone, which is like, are you tired? The most boring question you could possibly ask. But what doesn't happen is like, how are you emotionally? Have you been able to see your friends? Were you prepared for this? Are you feeling disconnected uh, from the child because, you know, you can't feed them on a regular basis? Is there animosity towards your wife because she feels more comfortable and you are not? Those types of questions are not being asked.
0: Yeah, that is so interesting because from the, as you say, other side of the aisle's perspective, Mm. I think there. sometimes there's an assumption that when you become a mum or a new parent and you're doing so much, the assumption is, oh, they're just getting on, having a good old time and living their life. And they're not thinking about me because there's that miscommunication mm. about needs and yep. expectations. So you sort of look at them and go... Yeah, it's, how's it affecting him? He's going out with his mates, he's exactly. doing this and that and you don't think like you just mm. said that a dad might be there going feeling lonely or helpless. Like how can I help my wife who's or partner who's really tired, who's got mastitis or who's, you know, Yeah. and the feeling of helplessness because we I think in a very general sense, in a very stereotype sense the women are the doers in the domestic sphere. You know, we're the ones that will put together the Excel spreadsheet for school holidays, not talking from personal experience. No, 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 here, of course not. (laughs) Um, And so you're constantly doing, doing, doing. Mm. So we don't know what it's like to sit back and see our partner struggling Mm. or in pain or whatever it might be. Mm. And and that's a very unique experience too, isn't
1: it? Yeah. And it's tricky to like determine who needs to do the work, Mm. right? Because, Every man I talk to admits the same thing. You're not going through as much as they are physically or emotionally. It's a fact. You can continue to drink, you can continue to hang out with your friends, you feel the exact to same. Yeah, I mean everything's <laughs> the same. You can wear all the clothes you wore before. And so most men suffer in silence because of that. It's completely justified. You're like, who am I to tell my wife that I'm struggling right now? I mean, i I get it. I get why they struggle in silence. But so you don't want to put the pressure on, on the wife to say, hey, talk to your husband more. It's up to you. If not you, then who? But at the same time, if we want our husbands, our counterparts to come to the table and be a true equal in the relationship, then it's important that they feel equal. And a part of equality is actually just that verbal communication, that open forum. And so what I often say to women is, all you have to do is along the journey, open the door to ask them how they're feeling so that you can open the door and be more honest how you're feeling. I think that is the only way for us to move forward is to, to look at men and say, hey, do you miss your partner? Because I miss my friends. Mm. Are, do you wish you could go to the pub? Because all I want to do is get a mani-pedi with my girlfriend. It's that equal conversation needs to happen. And I think it's a good way to get what you want as a, as a wife, if you're on the other side of the aisle. Um, and then just naturally, that seeps into other facets of the parenting experience. Like, you have to kind of set that foundation. For me as a gay father, I felt I ha- I couldn't say anything to anyone. Couldn't talk to the women because I couldn't relate. Couldn't talk to the men Because I just feel like I have nothing in common with these straight dudes. And so you're just stuck in the middle, quiet, saying absolutely nothing. Isolation at its finest. And what's funny is we're all suffering in silence. (laughs) Women are suffering at home, feeling like bloated whatever's. Husbands are suffering, feeling like they can't do enough. They're not connected to their child. They don't get it. Gay dads, single dads. Instead of just having this open, honest conversation, which is like, this sucks sometimes. It does. Let's talk about it. It's going to make it a lot easier.
0: I'm curious as to whether any of the dads you spoke to were like, so easy. What's everyone talking about?
1: Oh, that's so interesting. There's definitely a diversity um, of men who we spoke to who enjoyed the parenting experience more than others in the beginning. That stuck with me. So, you know when you talk to people like Josh Pike I think he's an amazing example. He definitely struggled emotionally. I won't give too much away cuz I really want you to listen to the episode. You know, with the parenting experience, but he clearly is meant to be a father like it just it just is. It's in his being, it's in his essence. He cares, he puts a lot of effort into it, he thinks about it. And so when you meet a man like that who throws themselves in so passionately, I think a lot of stereotypes get labeled on that person as maternal they're like the mom. And so when I got the chance to talk to him and hear that, I did walk away thinking, "God, he got he has it together, you know, in a bigger way than I do. Like he seems <laughs> to really understand and care more than most dads do." And then there were other men who you know, really struggled and were willing to admit it. You know, Mark Fennell, um, a podcaster, a journalist, you know, opened up and spoke about that. So did Tom Louds, who is the DJ behind Hot Dub Time Machine, just like honestly opening up about how challenging the experience was. And the only other one that comes to mind is Pete Fitzsimons. He was a first-time father so long ago that he kind of had the rose-colored glasses, I think, right? Yeah, that
0: would be You ask them
1: questions, and you're like, how was it? And they're like, it was magical. It's like talking to a (laughs) 60-year-old woman about parenting. They're like, it's the greatest gift on earth. I'm like, you don't remember. No,
0: you forgot. You wiped that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Trauma wipes it off. So you spoke to a lot of your guests about their own childhood and their Mm. relationship with their dads, With that kind of comparison in terms of their childhood, which for most of your guests would have been about 20 years ago, did that emphasize to you how much things have changed?
1: A million percent. What you'll notice if you listen to the show, and I I say this to everyone, if you're not a parent, it doesn't matter. You just have to be interested in culture because the actual point of the show is to debunk stereotypes and look at where we are today in 2020 in Australia in comparison to the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Every single dad that was on the show had a father who worked obsessively and wasn't really emotionally involved or connected as much as they they could have been. And every guy realized that. And every guy yo-yoed. Every single dad was like, and because of that, I say I love you to my kids. And because of that, I'm emotionally connected. I think it seemed like, and this was never said, but it was felt, that it's no longer good enough. To be an absent father. It's no longer a good enough excuse to say, oh, I'm just too macho. I can't, you know, I'm not connected. to
0: do that anyway, right? Yeah. But I I, I, think that's sad for dads of that generation that they missed out on that experience.
1: Totally. And what's interesting is I had a lot of really interesting conversations about the beautiful, powerful circle of life moment where you understand your parents in a way you never did before. And it's funny. Not a lot of the men look back with animosity. They just think that's a time capsule for that time period in Australia where that was the role of a man. You went to work. You did your damn job. You came back. You did what your wife told you to do. You you know, <laughs> yeah. And that was it. You, and yeah. Your job was to discipline the children, man up, you know, don't cry like you were. That was your role. And so no one looked at, you know, everyone, a lot of the men struggled with it. A lot of men have that relationship with their father that's a little disconnected than they would like. And I think that's true for all of us who had parents of that time period. But I think what the beautiful... Again, yo-yo effect of that is you have a lot of men who are now giving so much love to their children. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in forty years. Is Mm. it going to yo-yo again, and you're going to have this generation of men who are like, oh, you know, someone has to balance that out with macho, (laughs) or are we just going to continue down this path?
0: We're evolving Mm, for the better, I hope. Um, Now you also spoke to Sam Wood about being a step parent. I'm fascinated with step parents. I just want to play this little grab. You know, people think that being a stepdad is challenging. Yeah, it is. Being a parent is challenging, but it's so rewarding. Like it's the best thing, it's the hardest thing you do and the best thing that you do is. Um, Now, the thing for me about step parents, I reckon that good step parents are the unsung heroes of the parenting world.
1: Hey, man, it's single mothers and step parents.
0: (laughs) Hardest, hardest thing, yes. Mm. Well, at least if you're a single parent, you can still... It's your kid and you can yeah, you're right. feel like you're molding and shaping them the way that you want mm. when they're not your kids, but you need to make them feel included. And then you have your own kid Yeah, and to not play favorites. And I just find the the whole concept of good step parenting fascinating mm. because we do often say, I mean, in my world, I'm often high-fiving, high-fiving single moms. Mm. I've never seen anyone high-five a step-parent.
1: It's true. And yet, for most of documented history, step-parents have been labeled in the media and television and movies and in books as like these evil enemies. Mm. And I think we all know those real-life people. It's a weird role, psychologically, culturally, to step in to this family just because you've fallen in love with someone and inherit children that are not yours and then have to juggle how do I discipline, how do I love when it feels naturally so different and disconnected between your bio children and your step.
0: Don't they say hell is other people's children?
1: I mean, I feel that way. (laughs) You know, for most of the case, you can give them back. And in this case, you can't. Um, (laughs) What's so powerful about Sam Wood... And anyone who knows him or follows his journey, and if you've been following the journey since the days of The Bachelor when he first met his, his now wife, Snezana, he represents the very best of what a man can be. He goes into this forum where he can date any single beautiful girl he wants, <laughs> and he picks the single mother because, because of that, mm-hmm. because of that, because he looked at her and saw maturity prioritization like a mother is such a sexy thing as a candidate for a job when you think about what they do just like what every single woman on a day-to-day basis needs to juggle and so if you're like interviewing people and not picking moms you're a fool and if you're dating And you have that option, and you're not picking when you're (laughs) full. And Sam was the one who brought that to my attention. Mm. I was picking someone who had their shit together, who understood what mattered. That is sexy. It was sexy to him. And because of that, now they have other children. But from that day one, he just said, that's not my stepchild. I hate the word. I think it's ridiculous. It's my child. Lives in my home, under my roof. I love her to the moon and back. She's deeply connected to the person I love more than anything in the world. I'm going to give her everything. I'm going to reprimand her as if she was my child. I'm going to love her like she's my child. And you're sitting on the other edge of the mic just thinking, that is a man. That, to me, is the most macho thing you can possibly do. So for us to like label all these other things macho for the last 50 and 60 years, like just athletes and (laughs) raw, blows my mind. Listen to that one episode, guys, and like just sit back and go, This is how everyone should think.
0: Oh, I love it. Um, Okay, look, finally, what was the number one thing you got out of the podcast that you think other people need to hear? Oh, wow. Loaded question. I know, right? And with a big one. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I mean, it's funny. It was like therapy for me. You know, doing the show, interviewing these men really, truly pushed my analysis of what it means to be a parent and working through some of my issues forward like 10 years. It it truly felt like I analyzed my relationship to my father and my mother, um, analyzed my relationship to my husband, what it means to be a parent. You know, at the end of every single episode, we talk about what we hope the future holds, right? We start with their relationship with their father. We weave into their current parenting experience and we always end with, if your kids could take anything away from you, what would it be? And so to ask men a hundred times that question, you naturally start to think about it for yourself. And so for me, I think if you're at all interested in analyzing where we are culturally and how you fit into that, like are you, what role are you playing and pushing the narrative forward. Are you constantly stopping and asking men, how are you emotionally doing? Are you constantly ensuring as a, as a wife or a partner that you're getting the support you need from, from your male partner? Are you demanding enough of him? Um, are you hearing excuses on a yearly basis that say, oh, I can't because of work, and they're not doing their job to stand up to their boss and demand flexibility? I think the world is shifting slowly in Australia, we are moving forward and we need to just do a little more work to push it. So this to me is like a call to arms. It is a project. It is like a sit down, listen to this and then do some work because of it. Cuz I do think the the rude reality is men are not going to actively listen to this show. They are not going to pop onto their phone and go, "Ooh, a parenting show about dads. <laughs> Can't wait to listen to this." So Women will, I hope. I hope yeah. you hear this and go, that's fascinating. I want to understand what's going on in the mind of my husband. Oh, sure. But listen to it and then enroll your partner in the conversations. Or Talk to them. Listen
0: to it on your phone on, without your headphones. There we go.
1: Make it so them they sit can down. hear it yeah, yeah. as they move
0: in and out of the exactly. room. Exactly. I love it. Okay. Well, thank you so much for making this podcast, Sean. It's brilliant. Thank you. That's Sean Zepp's host of The Dad Kit. It is available now only on Spotify. So head there and follow and get some of this good stuff in your ears. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.